0: God wants you to experience the life that He designed.
1: We can't allow life to kill the dream that we've dreamed. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. Let's all say the name
0: of Jesus together this morning. Jesus. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. That's above every other name. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus is higher. We declare it is above every other name. There is victory in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. We declare today the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've given us your name, God. You set your name upon us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you God. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and greet the person next to you. And you can be seated.
1: Well, praise God. God's good. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to see your smiling faces. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Praise God. Well, we've had some uh, adverse weather conditions. Uh, Even today, it's uh, you guys, uh, how do you say, brave the brutal wind chills and came out to church today. That's awesome. Last week, we... uh, we really had a time. We uh, we started in the morning, we thought, well, we're going to have church anyways, and and uh, I don't know, by the time, because I kind of checked the, in the morning, I by the time we came to church, I'm going, uh-oh, <laughs> this is brutal. I mean, <laughs> the drifts were piling up pretty big, and so some of us stayed here for a while. We did cancel, but then after church, boy, we were in for it. We had a fun time out here. Uh, some of these drifts were getting to be, you know, chest high across the road, and uh, and then the bad thing about them, they get hard, hard as rock, you know. And then when you drive through them, most of our cars are all plastic, so plastic flies everywhere, you know. It's going, great, that's just wonderful. But anyway, so, but hey, way to go for making it this morning. I know you won't be disappointed or not being disappointed. Great worship this morning, praise God. I want to receive our offering. If the ushers could please help me just, uh, if you're giving cash, would like a receipt. Uh, slip your hand up one of these ushers, give you an offering envelope and uh, make it out a check, make it out to Destiny Church. You know, I was thinking about this. I heard a preacher years ago talk about finances. And how, how many know that there's, there are promises in the Bible that talk about God meeting our needs? And not just our needs, but uh, meeting even our wants. Um, the, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, uh, you know, God's not stingy, but there's a system in the earth that the enemy tries to, you know, actually strangle finances from coming. And I remember years ago, I was I was uh, waiting for a check to come. And every time I called, they said, well, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. It never came, never came. So I was praying about this. I needed this check very seriously. I don't know if you guys ever been there. And uh, so I started praying. I just kind of felt, and this isn't always the case, but I just kind of sensed that this was the enemy holding up this money. And so I just took authority over the enemy. And, uh, and I'd been waiting for like over a month for this check to come. And uh, it was always I was kind of getting the ring around, you know, run around, I guess they call it. And when I commanded the enemy to take his hands off my money, the, uh, like two days later, the check was in the mail. And uh, I just believe that sometimes, I mean, it's not always, but sometimes the enemy is behind uh, us having lack. I mean, if the enemy had his way, uh, you wouldn't have anything. You'd be starving if he had his way. And, I mean, I, I believe in being responsible with money and having a budget. That's why everybody should go to Dave Ramsey on Thursday night. I believe in budgeting, and I believe in being responsible But in the final analysis, if you're budgeted and you're responsible, there's still a work of the enemy to try to keep you from prospering. And because prosperity is God's idea. And uh, and so we've done this many times in the church. Like we were going to do a building project or something. We just claim by faith what we need. And then tell the enemy to take his hands off our money. And then tell the angels to go out there and cause the money to come. And just thank God from that point on, the money's on the way. Praise God. And, you know, it's, a, it's amazing. I remember when I, when I got married, you know, I was a, I don't want to say I was a poor preacher, but I didn't have a lot of money preacher. And uh, uh, my wife actually married into that. And um, I think I was making $100 every two weeks or some, some crazy amount like that. And um, so I needed, I figured I needed $1,000 to get married and be, break even. Because I think we paid 600. I had to pay $600 for flowers. That took me years to get over. <laughs> Six, uh, 600 bucks for flowers. That was 40 years ago. And I've been going, why? I mean, I just couldn't believe it. But anyways. But, uh, so what I did was I did that thing. I, I said, Lord, I need $1,000. And so I said, Lord, I just claim $1,000. And I used scripture where he said he'd meet our needs. I claimed that. command the enemy to take his hands off my money and release the angels to cause the money to come. And it was amazing. I traveled at that time preaching. And it's amazing. People would walk up to me and hand me. And this never happened. I mean, it's not like this always happens. I mean, if it want to happen this morning, that's fine. But it doesn't happen. I mean, it doesn't happen hardly ever. And people would walk up to me, hand me a check. I go, oh, thank you. I open it up, $100. I came home one night and I was sleeping in a house with a bunch of guys. Came home, and I walked up to my bed, and there was an envelope that said Steve on it. I opened it up, there was five $20 bills. And this never happens. And, uh, and so finally, when I got married, I had the $1,000 I needed uh, to pay for the flowers <laughs> and pay for everything else that I had to pay for in the wedding. And, and so I believe in this. I believe that God wants to meet our needs. God is not a God of lack. He's a God of abundance. When you look at creation, God didn't make just barely enough food to get by. He made more than enough, more than enough. In fact, when God blessed the, the disciples after they let Jesus use his boat, he said, told them to let down their net. And you know what happened? They got so much fish, that the net started to break. And then they started bringing the fish into the boats, and the boat started to sink. You know what we call that? Too much. <laughs> right? He, and actually, one of God's names is El Shaddai, the God who is too much. Amen. And so we should have a prosperous mind. That's what I'm saying. And so God wants us to prosper. So let's pray over our offering and as we do, I want us to pray for this, our government, too. pray for our leaders. So can we do two in one? Okay. All right. Let's, get, let's uh, agree together. Lord, we just thank you that you meet our needs abundantly, Lord. Not just barely, but abundantly. That you are the God of abundance. And we just speak abundance over our finances now, Lord. We command the enemy to take his hands off our money. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, an increase, Lord, Uh, beyond what we could ask or think, Lord. There will be no lack and no shortages whatsoever, Lord, that you'll cause us to have jobs and pay raises and bonuses and rebates and, and all these different ways you'll cause money to come. And we thank you for that, Lord, that you are that God who's more than enough. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh, I want to pray for this. Let me pray for the government one more time. Okay. Can we pray that? I don't want to forget that. Lord, we just pray for our leaders of our nation now, Lord. We thank you, God, that you've given us leaders, Lord, and we might disagree with them. But, Lord, we just pray right now that you will give every single one of them wisdom. And we just pray, God, that these leaders will come in line with your purpose and your will in the earth, Lord. Hallelujah. We pray for a revival to strike Washington, D.C., Strike these houses in, uh, in the states, Lord. We just pray for a supernatural revival to come. And we thank you for keeping our leaders safe. And every one of them, state, local, and federal, Lord, that you give us leaders after your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, man You can pass the offering buckets. Sure.
2: I just wanted... Good morning, church. I just wanted to give an announcement. We're going to have a ladies connect meeting, March sixteenth, um, from nine to ten thirty in the morning here. And how many know, ladies? We need to connect. Yeah, we need to get together. Uh, Romans twelve one twelve says, when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. We can expect to be co encouraged, co comforted by each other's faith. I believe. Something wonderful is going to happen when the ladies get together. You know, when we get together, worship. It's powerful when we worship together. It's powerful when we pray together. Something is going to happen, and something is going to change among us, you know, as we connect together, and as we are united in vision and prayer, right, and worship. So don't forget about that. It's from Saturday, yesterday, it's two weeks from yesterday, so here, right here, from 9 to 10.30. um, We'll have coffee at 8.30, and the coffee bar will be open. Some ladies have been working on the coffee bar and perfecting that, and so it's an experience, right, when we come together. We have some coffee, we have some fellowship, and we have the word and worship. And So um, invite your friends, and we'll see you then.
1: Amen. Good job. So uh, also I think Josh you asked about a sledding party. You still got that? i go on. Yep. Next Sunday at what time? Okay, so it's for who? For the boys. For the boys. Girls can't come? Oh, just for the boys. Okay, any boy if you're male you can come. 6 to 18. 6 to 18, okay. So that's at your house. Okay, so that's over by Evansville. So you're all all you guys are free to come to that. How many excited for the word this morning, Amen. Amen. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter uh, thirteen. I'm going to conclude this series I've been on. Uh, I preached it last week. You weren't here, but I put it. We put a short message on Facebook, and uh, but I want to conclude this this week. And so I'm going to try to get into something. I got a bunch of pages of notes here, and I look at the clock, and I'm going. Oh man, I got 20 minutes. So can you guys hang, listen real fast as I talk real fast? Okay. So uh, I want to just talk about, uh, you know, some things, this is the title, some things are just spiritual. Some things are just spiritual. And, and I mention this every week. You know, I believe in natural help. I believe in doctors. I believe in accountants. I believe in eating right. I know it doesn't look like that, but I do believe in eating right. I believe in exercise. I exercise. I believe in all those things. But, you know, some things, uh, the problem is not going to be solved just naturally. There's not a natural solution to some problems. And uh, and so sometimes we have to look at it from a spiritual standpoint. Even if we're looking for natural cures or natural help, it's still all right to, to combine natural and spiritual help together. And uh, see, we're just trying to... Uh, what we want is we want solutions to issues that we're facing. And... Um, and so, but here's the truth is that all of us have experienced failure in the Christian life. I mean, we, we've, we sin, we, we fell into something that we didn't, you know, maybe we thought we had victory over or we have a nagging habit or a nagging addiction that we can't get free of or we've been praying about something that we know is God's will for us to have and, uh, and we haven't experienced freedom yet. And so sometimes that is discouraging and we, we can take that experience and we can start developing some very strange doctrines. Uh, some doctrines that maybe God doesn't want us to have this thing that clearly is God's will for us to have. And so so we start having these ideas that our personal experience becomes the basis of truth. That because I it didn't happen to me and I prayed, therefore it must not be true. But how many know that you're not perfect enough for us to pattern truth of the scriptures after. How many of that's true? And what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring our experience up to the level of scripture. And so all of us have experiences. And so we don't get together and, and decide doctrine based on everybody's experience. We base doctrine on scripture and we try to bring our, our experience, our life up to the level of Scripture. I mean, the Bible says, how many of you here have ever sinned in your whole life? Cuss of your hand. Okay, some of you have never sinned. God bless you. I, I don't know why I'm standing up here. You should be up here. But, uh, but how many know the Bible also said that God, God doesn't want you to sin? He said, I write these things unto you that you sin not. So if you sin, that's your experience, you have sinned. Does that mean it's God's will for you to sin? Absolutely not. How about this? The Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish. How many know that there are people that perish? Even though it's not God's will for them to perish, there are people that perish. So clearly, people have the freedom to choose and they make choices. And choices have consequences. Because a God of love does not impose his will upon you. A God of love invites you to join him and fulfill his will for your life in the earth. But you have a choice. And you can make some bad choices. I mean, you can leave here today and you can go rob a bank. I mean, the banks aren't open, but you could maybe I don't know, rob a convenience. So I'm not telling you to do that by the way, but you could do that, but that's not God's will. Thank you for those two amen's. That's not God's will. It's not God's will. So what I'm trying to say is God's will is not automatic. And a lot of people say it is, and it isn't. God's will is not automatic. Some people say God is sovereign, and he rules over all. He is sovereign in his kingdom. Someday this world will be a part of that kingdom, but right now it's not. Thank you for that one grunt. <laughs> right, right, right now, <laughs> this world is not a part of that kingdom. How many know what I mean? I just said something really good there. <laughs> this world is not a part of that kingdom. Come on, help me out here a little bit. This world, in Revelation, it says, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. But that's a future date. Someday, this world's gonna be a part of God's kingdom. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, what do we pray? Thy kingdom come. If we're praying, thy kingdom come, that means it must not be here unless that's just an idle, useless prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. So are you trying to tell me that this is what heaven's like? Come on! But the objects of our prayer is to bring the the kingdom of God, the will of God from heaven into earth. And so that's what we're after, so that earth will line up with heaven. Right now, it's not lined up with heaven, and we pray that it will line up with heaven. That's why Jesus, you know, he takes sickness, for example. Jesus said, told his disciples to go and heal the sick. And then when you heal them, tell them the kingdom of God has come unto you. Amen. So in other words, healing is a part of God's kingdom. God wants you to be healed. And sickness is not. You're not going to be up in heaven and I'm going to see you by the by the sea of glass one day and you'll be going, (coughs) you know, it's not going to be that way. You're going to be up there and you're going to feel great. You're going to be just healthy as a horse and just feeling great. Because sickness, you know, it's interesting. One day I had this discussion with a guy. We were talking about a book that somebody had written, and the book was talk, The book was entitled Christian Suffering. So it was some kind of a title like that. That might not have been word for word, and he was talking about Christian suffering. And he said, and the whole book was about sickness, how God does this, brings this sickness, and how I learned through this sickness. I'm not saying you can't learn something. I mean, I learned stuff through my dumb mistakes. Did you ever learn through dumb mistakes? But God, you know, God made me say the whole book was about that tragedy. You know, God uh, blew up my car to teach me something. I mean, God doesn't blow people's cars up; He's not a thief. God doesn't that, God doesn't kill people; He's not a murderer. He doesn't make people sick; He's not a crazy person, right? And so we, so I was trying to talk to him about this, and I said, you know, the Bible says. In James chapter 1, I'm going to get to my sermon in just a minute here. Just revving my motor up right now. In James chapter 1, the Bible says, he's writing to people that are going through trouble. He says, rejoice when you fall into trouble. It's all around. The word is the same as the Samaritan guy You know, the the guy, that not the Samaritan guy, but the guy that went down from Jerusalem, the good Samaritan, that story, and he fell among thieves. That means he fell and these thieves, a bunch of gang of thieves beat him up. And that's the same word. When you fall among trouble, troubles all around. I don't know if you've ever been there. Troubles all around. And he says, rejoice when you fall into a situation where trouble's all around. But then he goes on, if you keep reading there, and he says, do not err, Don't get this wrong, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above. When the kingdom of God invades a situation, good gifts and perfect gifts come into that situation. He said, don't get this wrong. If it's not good, it's not perfect, it didn't come from God. From the father of lights of whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. And so you know what this guy said to me? he said to me, well, what you don't understand, he thought I was dumb. He said, what you don't understand is what's good to us and what's good to God are two different things. You might not think it's good, but God thinks it's good. I said, so God has a total definition, a different definition of what is good. Yes, that's what I said. I said, yeah, but the Bible gives us a definition of good. He said, it does? I said, sure. It says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I said, in Jesus' day, that's how things get so confused. In Jesus' day, Jesus went about doing good and healing. Today, that same Jesus goes around making people sick for their good. Isn't that confusing? So in other words, I always tell people this. I heard this somewhere, but when I heard it, I said, that's right. I heard somebody say one time, Jesus is perfect theology. Because Jesus clearly and purely manifested the heart of the Father. Because he said, I don't do anything. I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. I and my Father are one, he said. I don't do a thing unless I see God do it. So everything that Jesus did, in fact, Jesus said this, you want to know what God's like? Look at me. In Hebrews chapter one, it says that Jesus is the exact representation of the father. Amen. See, I've heard Bible scholars say this for years that truth, truth is progressive in the old Testament. You don't get a clear picture of the whole thing. You see little bits and pieces of it. But when you come into the new Testament, All of God was poured into an individual called Jesus. And so everything and every way that God is like, every will, every desire, every focus of God was embodied in the person of Jesus. So he said, that's why Jesus said, if you want to see God, look at me. He that has seen me has seen God. Now think of a time that Jesus went up to somebody and said, you feeling pretty good? Yep, feeling great. Now I'm feeling lousy. I mean, it never—I mean, it never happened one time. It never happened like some guy is going, "Yeah, I'm doing great." Here, have some leprosy. Here, I'm walking around do, doing good. Here, become a paraplegic or become. Here's some palsy. Here's some. Here's some palsy. How's how about how's that? Oh, that's not very good. I've given this to you to teach you something. That never happened one time. In fact, there are times when Jesus didn't want to heal somebody. It just seemed like he didn't want to. Like the, the Sarah Phoenician woman, he came to Jesus. She came to Jesus and she goes, cast the devil out of my daughter. And Jesus kept walking. He's acting like he didn't want to heal her. And he goes, cast the devil out of my daughter. And then he finally goes, I'm not sent to Gentiles. I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she goes, yeah, but... And he goes, it's not good to give the children bread to dogs. Yeah, but dogs get crumbs. He goes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. He's and what was that? A manifestation of the Father. So when you get when you look at Jesus, if you want to see what God is like, because when you read some of these Old Testament verses, it gets confusing. Right? Some of it has to do with the 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 Hebrew language does not have, it has, you know, where it says, God said, I'll send sickness upon you. It's actually a permission, a permission clause where He said, I'll permit it to come upon you. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if most people understand this, but, um, you know, in Romans chapter 1, it talks about God's judgment being poured out. And you know what God's judgment It says, God gave them up. God's judgment is not that it. <laughs> He just steps back. There's a crazy person in the earth called Satan. And there's a restraining against Satan in what he can do. And that restraining is the Holy Spirit working inside the church. That's why they say, you know, when that restraining force is pulled back, evil takes over. Right? And so the the judgment is God just steps back. And let you let you let you go your own way. And so, but listen, when God is here, good things happen. When Jesus was here, good things happened. Well, he's still here by his spirit. Amen? Wow, that was a long intro. Yeah, that was a long intro. Now I better jump ahead here, so I guess I got some things I want to get to. And so we have to understand here that we are. We are, I don't like to say we're in a battle, but there's an adversary against us. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to resist him. But I I read this verse, let let me read it again. In Matthew 13, verse 11, it says, He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Remember I said to you that the word mystery is not something that's unknowable, but it takes the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. And we have to learn to be learn to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to listen to Him because not every situation is the same problem or has the same solution, but He will always show us what to do. He'll show us things to come. W. A. Vine, said about the word mystery, that a mystery is the operation of those hidden forces. This is a direct quote from Vine, who was a Greek scholar. He said that operation of those hidden forces that either retard or accelerate the growth of the kingdom. So there's things that actually accelerate the growth of God's kingdom, and there are things that retard the growth of God's kingdom, cause it to, causes the kingdom to draw back. And so we have to be the type of people that understand principles and laws that accelerate the growth of the kingdom and things that will retard or, or cause the kingdom of God to draw back. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So we, here's the thing. If you're a Christian, whether you realize it or not, you will encounter demonic activity at times. I don't want to try to scare you, but I'm just saying that you will. I remember you know being overseas, I saw it more than seeing it in, in a, even though I have seen it some in America, but being overseas, I mean in crusades, uh, one time, I think you probably maybe have heard me talk about it, we were in Sri Lanka, we were up in the mountains and we were given we had a crusade and so at the at the end, you know I think I was preaching and uh, so I gave the altar call and some people came forward to be saved and one guy. They came forward. I saw him. He was a Muslim because they wear this little white hat they wear. And I said, you know, I knew he was a Muslim, but he came forward to get saved. And so we started the, the sinner's prayer. You know, I started, I mean, it wasn't commanding the devil or anything like that. I was just having him say the sinner's prayer, this group of people. He was just one of the groups. And as he started to say the sinner's prayer, you know, I'm, I kind of had my eyes closed. And all of a sudden I heard something. I looked up and he was on the floor on his belly, and he was vibrating. And I, I mean, I had never seen this before. And he was vibrating. I mean, his whole body was shaking. He's vibrating across the floor. And then he went into a slither where he started slithering like a snake. And uh, I mean, I tell you, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And so, but everybody started, you know, everybody jumped, all the Christians jumped in and started praying for him. The end result was he got saved and got spirit filled. but I mean there is a, there is a spiritual world, a spiritual dimension that we have to become aware of and there, when I say that, I don't mean spooky spiritual. I'm not really a real spooky spiritual guy, but it and because some people you know you get around them and they're they're like, "Oh, come, you know it's like casper the friendly ghost, we're weird stuff, you know what I mean?" But, but, but there is a spiritual dimension that is affecting our lives. And when we get saved, we're born again or we're born of the Spirit. We're born into that dimension and we begin to contact it through the Holy Spirit. We contact that spiritual dimension. And, uh, and then when we're filled with the Spirit, of course, that helps us with that, in that dimension because now we have a spiritual language to speak in that dimension. And so every one of us have to deal with this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So here Paul calls Satan the God of this world. Small g, he's the God of this world, this natural world order. He is the God of it. That's why this natural world order is based on steal, kill, destroy. Because Satan is the god of this world. And then over in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, Be alert. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Be sober-minded. You now, when the Bible tells you to be alert, be alert, what does that mean? Does that mean never go to sleep? He's actually talking about being alert spiritually, having your spiritual eyes open. So having times when you, when you pray, because there is an outward man. You're looking at me right now, you're seeing this outward man. But the Bible says there's a hidden man of the heart. He's the guy inside. When I die, this body will go into the grave. Just like if I took this coat off here, just like I'm wearing this coat, that's how your body is. Your body is like a coat. But when you die, you take off your coat, that's your body. But you are eternal. Now, someday you'll be reunited with your body. It'll be a resurrected body. It'll be just like his body, Jesus' body. But when you die, they'll put your body in the grave. But you will still be conscious. And if you're a believer, you'll go to heaven. If you're not a believer, you'll go to hell. Amen. And so the real person is not the external person. The real person is the person on the inside. And so what happens is the Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of those that believe not. Now, the way I look at that is that there's always an argument that somebody has that keeps them from Jesus. It might be all Christians are hypocrites. or there is no God. Atheist idea. There is no God. There's always an argument That is the thing the enemy uses to blind you to the reality that there is a God. And that's why Paul says we are in in a war. We are in a war with arguments, arguments that are set up in people's minds. We're at at war with those arguments, but we have mighty weapons to cast them down. So, So here he says that Satan is the God of this world. The Bible also tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, 8, 9, I'm not trying to, oh, I already, that's what I was reading, right? So be alert, be of sober mind, be alert. Why, Why should I be alert? Why should be of sober mind? Your enemy, the devil, known as your enemy, turn your neighbor and tell him, he's your enemy. See, he's not my enemy. I mean, he is my enemy, but he's not just my enemy. He's your enemy. He doesn't like you. There's nothing about you that he likes. He doesn't like any humans at all. And he looks for an opportunity. Looks for an opportunity to gain access into your life. I'm not trying to be spooky, but I'm just trying to say that's a reality. That's what the Bible says. Here's what he says. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. Because you know this that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So he says, resist him steadfast in your faith. But can you see that if you think that bad things that come is from God, you won't resist them. If you think sickness is from God, you won't resist it. If you think poverty is from God, you won't resist it. If you think all this crazy stuff is from God, you won't resist it. That's why you've got to become clear. You know, that's what they say about these guerrilla warfares. What's so hard about it is you don't know who, the, who your enemy is. And most Christians don't know who their enemy is. They just, they have a thought that is so, like, you walk into church, and you go, nobody here likes me. Well, come on, I mean, some people don't even know you, I mean. <laughs> right? I mean, or something like that. I mean, they have some kind of a thought that will strike their mind and, and they never stop to think, is this thought from God or is this thought from the enemy? And if it's from the enemy, we have to re- what we have to do? Resist. So the enemy appears in our thought life, but he also appears in our circumstances, our situations. And the Bible tells us here to resist him. Resist the devil and what will happen? He'll flee from you. Amen. In Ephesians chapter four, it says, don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. It's so important for us to understand that we have an adversary. We have an adversary, the devil, that goes about like a roaring lion, seeking who may devour. And the thing is about him is that he studies your life and he sees if you're weak somewhere. That's why it's so important for you to have people in your life that can talk to you that can encourage you, but can also say, that's crazy. I remember one time I had a a couple come to me and they said, um, they said, we want to get married. The only problem is he was married to somebody else and she was married to somebody else. But get this, they didn't just say, we want to get married. They said, God told us to get married. I looked at him. I said, now listen to me as clear as you can. In fact, I told him my goal in this conversation is to break you two up because they were committing adultery. My goal in this conversation is to break you two up. The guy got really mad. But I said, God, listen, God did not tell you that. You are listening to the wrong spirit. Amen. So we have to discern when we hear something, we have to discern whether it's from, from the Lord or not. Think about this verse. I want you to turn over real quickly here. Turn over here to 1 Corinthians. I'm trying to jump ahead because my time is gone already. Already. Are you still with me? Turn here to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. I was wondering why God. I felt like I felt led to talk about this, and I was wondering why God. I think God's getting us ready for some stuff. Amen. Spiritual stuff. <laughs> so <Somebody> he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen, listen to this verse, verse, verse 1 through 3. It says, with regard to spiritual gifts. Now, the King James italicizes the word gifts, meaning that it was added by the translators to bring clarification. The Greek literally says, now, concerning spirituals, spirituals, things that have to do with the realm of the spirit. Now, concerning spirituals, I would not have, I would, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed or ignorant. King James says, ignorant. Then the very first thing he says, you know that you were pagans, often led astray by speechless idols, however, you were led. So I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, when you think about our experience as humans in living in this area, our experience is we're just kind of like good old boys, you know. It's like got my shotgun, my pickup, go out and have a beer, you know. We're kind of like, you know, good old boys type people, right? <laughs> I know you're probably thinking that's not my that's not who I am. But, anyways, okay, well, maybe you're maybe you're Tinkerbell or something. I don't know. But anyways, so but that's kind of our experience. You know, go out and kill my deer, rip his his uh, skin off, hang him in the tree opposite of house or something, you know. That's kind of our experience in this area. Just kind of being natural type people. Uh, be, this is, I'm talking about before we get saved. I'm not talking about you now, of course. Come on. I wasn't talking about you now, before you got saved. You know, it's just kind of that way, you know, be out in the woods, hug a tree somewhere or something, you know, talk to trees, talk to nature, you know, whatever. So that's kind of how we are. But, but listen, the people that Paul preached to weren't that. The people that Paul preached to were idol worshipers. And in the, in the idol worshiping, in that, in that whole sphere, they had supernatural things that happened they had they were not unaccustomed to supernatural things supernatural signs and wonders and so a lot of times what would happen is there'd be this confusion because there'd be this demon, there'd be a demonic manifestation but it was supernatural so people would go well that must because it's supernatural it must be god right i mean remember the story in acts chapter 8 where philip went down to the city of samaria and preached Christ unto them and there was a guy there named Simeon, or Simon, Simon, I think it was Simon, who had been practicing magic, amazing the people of Samaria, claiming to be somebody great. And it says that all the people from the least to the greatest paid close attention to him, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. So in other words, they were having, they were having supernatural manifestations, There was manifestations of power, and it captured people. That's why I don't believe in hypnosis. I don't believe in Ouija boards. I believe there's a spirit involved in it, but it's not the spirit of God. I don't believe in horoscopes. I don't read my horoscope. I don't go to tea leaves. I don't listen to mediums. Why It is is, spiritual, but it's the wrong spirit. Because they're not giving glory to Jesus. They don't declare Jesus Christ as Lord. If you're around them, you can tell. If you have any sense of spiritual awareness about you at all, you can say, this is the wrong spirit. Right? I mean, we should be spiritually alert. That's what Paul talked about when he talked about the devil. Be spiritually alert. I'm kind of right in the middle of my sermon right now. and My time's gone. Can you just wait a couple more minutes? See, be spiritually alert so stuff doesn't happen and you're like unaware that it's going on. Be spiritually enough alert that you can discern what's happening. Because the enemy, what he does, he, he, he sets an ambushment for your life. If you're not alert, what will happen is he'll lead you down the wrong path. How many can follow what I'm saying? So that's the very first thing he says. He says that he goes, "You were, you were aware of the spiritual realm before you got saved, but it was the wrong spirit. That's why if you've ever played with a Ouija board or gone to a gone done a séance or anything like that, you opened yourself up to demonic, demonic oppression. I remember one time I prayed for a guy." To be spirit filled, and I pray with all the gusto I could get. I'm praying for this guy. I'm praying for him. I'm going. Do you feel anything? You know, <laughs> I'm just getting frustrated. Do you feel anything? He's going. I don't feel a thing. I'm sitting there looking at him, and I'm going. He's got to be a Christian, and so I couldn't figure out what it was. And I'm sitting there, and I said, Lord, what is this? And all of a sudden, I heard inside of me. I heard this. He used to go to seances. And so I looked at him and I said, have you ever been in a seance? He goes, oh, yeah. And he thought, you know, he kind of thought that was the power of God. Or he thought, he, I think he had a kind of an attitude that there's good spirits, bad spirits, uh, and, the, and, the whole, and God's spirit. I mean, in other words, good spirits, there's good spirits that are not God's spirits or something like that. It was, it was kind of weird. And I said, you know, that, I, I, I talked to him about that. And I, actually, you want to know the truth? You know what the the Hebrew word for sorcery in the Old Testament, you know what it is? It's pharmakia. It's where we get our word pharmacy. And so what, and I'm not against taking, the doctor recommends a pill, I'm not against that. But what they used it for was to enter into a spiritual dimension because it alters The drugs they were using alter reality, alters your reality and opens you up, opens your soul up to demonic forces. How many can see what I'm saying? So I said to this guy, well, if you want to be spirit-filled, you're going to have to renounce that. He goes, well, I'm fine. So I I talked to him about how it wasn't God and whatever. So I had him pray and renounce that as a work of Satan in his life, take back the ground he gave to the enemy I prayed for him, he got spirit-filled right away. And I've had that happen many times with people in the occult. When I say the occult, I'm talking about you open your soul up. That's what Paul was talking about. You opened your soul up in your past life to demonic forces. And now you're having trouble discerning, is this the spirit of God or is this demonic spirit? You have to cut the ties you can't be a Christian, you can't be a follower of Jesus and go to seances or play the Ouija board or read your horoscope or, or palm reading or all that crazy stuff. You can't do that. You know, uh, 1-800-WITCH uh, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, you know what I mean? They, got, they even got 800 numbers now. You call, you know, and they'll, you give them some money they'll tell you something. That is demonic. You're opening your soul up to the wrong spirit. But the problem is, you know, I think that people go to the world for the supernatural because the supernatural isn't exist in the church. But it's we should be supernatural people. Do you know that it's normal as the worship team comes and I bring this sermon to a close. It is normal to hear the voice of God. But listen, hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God is an art form that you have to develop. That's why, listen, that's why you have to be open to somebody saying, that is not God. Pay attention to what I'm saying. That is not God. How many follow me? Because God never overrides your inward witness. You know, years ago, years ago, I, uh, I was counseling um, a couple, I don't know why I thought of this, but, and they, and they were married, but they were having a marriage problem. And um, I said to them, you know, I said, so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I got to find something like they were in love when they got married, obviously. So I want to go back to that and try to build on that. You were in love when you got married. Let's go back to that and build on that. And they go, oh, we weren't in love. <laughs> I'm going, What? No, we weren't in love. You weren't in love. <laughs> what? <laughs> Aren't you shocked? Some of you are acting so normal about that. You, you weren't in love? Are you kidding me? No, we weren't in love. Why'd you get married? Somebody prophesied to us. I said, you got married based on, the guy could have been wrong. That's why the Bible says, judge, judge. Paul himself, who wrote most of the New Testament, he says, judge, you judge what I say. I always judge what people say. I used to, this happened to me a lot in the past, but I would go to meetings because I traveled. i go to meetings and I would have people give me words all the time. I mean, on a regular basis, maybe two or three times a month, I'd have somebody come up to me, stranger come up to me and give me a word. And I always judge it. mean, some of the words were crazy. I said, man, you've been out in the sun too long or something. You missed it. In fact, this one guy gave me this prophecy. Get this. You want, you want to hear it? Of course. Sure, you want to hear the inside? Sorry. He said, he said, God tells me you need to smile more. I looked at him. I said, and then he told me some other things, too, that were so off the wall. He goes, you have children that are wayward. Well, they're wayward, but I'm going to straighten them out. (laughs) but, But actually, all my kids were serving God. And he said, you have your children are wayward. I'm going, no, they're not. I mean, everything he said was wrong. And I said, you know what? Why don't you go back and try again? Take another run at it. But all I'm trying to say is I'm not diminishing anything. You just have to discern. Discern. We encourage spiritual manifestations, but we have, to, we have to be wise. We have to judge. Does that make sense? So let's all stand together. Boy, I went, got way off track here. Do you guys think it was okay? So, so when somebody comes and tells me, well, God made me sick, I, I want to get a buzzer somewhere and go, eh. Where would he get it? There ain't no sickness up in heaven. They're not, they don't have the, um, the Hong Kong flu there. It tells you where it comes from. It came from Hong Kong. Where did the Hong Kong flu come from? Hong Kong. <laughs> now, if they come up with a heavenly flu, maybe I'll think about it, but how many follow what I'm saying? And so you have to, we have to learn to discern what is God, what isn't God. Amen? Amen? Well, do you have a song we could sing? Okay, I kind of passed my time up here, but let's, let's sing this song together. Everybody smile real big.
0: I raise a hallelujah In the presence of my enemy I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah My weapon is a melody I raise a hallelujah heaven goes to fly for me
1: boys, real, people think, "Well, we should be quiet in church." Have you ever read the book of Psalms? It is a loud book. Clap, shout, dance, it's instruments, it's loud. You know, you know it's going to be in heaven loud. How do you know that? Cuz I'll be there. I'll be going, "We made it!" Woo! We made it! Woo! I'll be so excited. You You'll be like, settle down, Steve. We made it! It's awesome! It'll be really loud. You will be, too, so you won't be offended. We just want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. The prayer counselors could please come. And hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we're going to ask you to, if you want prayer for anything, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, please, as soon as I conclude here, uh, please come forward and, and one of these one of these prayer people will pray for you. Amen. Isn't God good? Are you glad you came to church? All right, good. Is it edified yet? Thank you, sister. My wife's going to be edified. That'll be good. But <laughs> we, um, we want to give you an opportunity to be prayed for. But also, if you uh, were to join us in the back, we have some uh fellowship back there some goodies sweets and what's that? The coffee bar's open. That's good. So please join us for some fellowship. Amen. You got some? Thank
3: you. Um, uh, during the first part of worship I just saw Jesus singing over all you guys and I just want you guys to know that while you guys were still in the womb he spoke to you and he called you and he has blessed you from before you could even do anything. You were helpless, relying on your mother, and he still loved you that much. He's like, I love you. I know who you are. I know your voice. You know my voice. This is my voice. Listen to it. That's, that's what he says over us. Amen. And he continually sings <laughs> like he's so proud. And and I just like I just had this vision of like like this is the church, like this is his bride. This is his bride. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I'm married to God. Ha ha ha. Isn't that good news? Amen. Praise God.
1: Actually, some people go, Jesus sings? In Hebrews chapter 2, it says he sings. It's wild. Can you imagine Jesus singing? But he's what he sings. Sings over us, song, sings over us songs of deliverance. He goes, Steve, you're coming out of this. It's going to be good. <laughs> he probably sings a lot better. I know he does. He sings a lot better than that. But anyways, please join us. But if you need prayer, please come forward. God bless you all. And You're I ready want to you go. to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.